Welcome to the Bulwark Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. This is the morning after the final presidential debate, and we are joined by the Bulwark's own Tim Miller. Tim, you stayed up late to watch that, right? Wasn't that late on the West Coast. Yeah, no, it was a very reasonable time. I stayed up and watched it. um, And I just, I have to tell you, Charlie, I have to agree with the pundits. Uh, The president really improved off of the first debate. He didn't give anybody the novel coronavirus last night, I noticed. Um, he He didn't defend white nationalists even. This is um, this is a step up. No, as I said in my newsletter this morning, I mean, he didn't. His head didn't rotate 180 degrees and have green projectile vomit. So, uh, new tone, all hail new tone. Uh, <laughs> this was this 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 was the pivot. I mean, it is a little bit like you know with with Donald Trump. There's there, there is a I'm going to mix metaphors now. The the Stockholm syndrome of the media that they're just looking for just some moment like okay, so it wasn't totally awful. I suppose it's like, you know, growing up in a household where you have an abusive alcoholic dad and those nights when he doesn't come home drunk and beats up mom, you're going, he's the best dad in the world. Really? This is better. To, to, um, to yeah, no, I don't think, I think that that's, I think that's exactly right. And I, and here's the other, I think in addition to that, Charlie, like uh, just as a practical level, I think people like our brains have been broken by the last yeah. five years and people like forget what a normal president is supposed to act like <laughs> like right. the number of people who last night were like oh this was a relatively normal debate between two people and i, I was like i actually that that not really no it wasn't no. Um, by our normal. standards I keep yeah going. i mean maybe it felt normal as compared to you know nazi defense and you know, kind of like throwing feces at one another on the stage, but um, but no, uh, it was it was not uh, the, the standard behavior. So, so before we get into all of this, uh, I just want to uh, thank all the folks uh, who have signed up for Bulwark Plus. We did a live stream uh, after the debate last night, which was a lot of fun. We'll be posting that as well. It was uh, Bill Crystal, Mona Charon, uh, Sarah Longwell, and uh, and I. People were asking about Tim. They were saying, you know, why are we stuck with the olds? Where, where's, where's Tim Miller? So you're going to be on the next one. You're going to be on election night. I, I assume we're going to be doing that as well. So, but I mean, for the the Bulwark Plus, it, it, I'm having a hard time keeping up with all the stuff that we're doing at the Bulwark. I mean, really, I, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm actually not kidding. That if you sign up for Bulwark Plus, you not only get this podcast. There's the secret podcast. There's the next level podcast. Uh, you are invited to the live streams. You continue to get my morning shots newsletter. You get JVL's triad newsletter, including Tim. You you've been doing that uh, every every Sunday. So you've been you you know that's a that's a six day a week uh, sort of thing. And plus, you're doing this Snapchat thing brought to you by the Bulwarks. I mean, yeah. you know, which is not for the olds, by the way. No, that's not. Yeah, I'm I'm so it's so nice to hang out with you guys and you know, as I come up on middle age here that I get considered to be uh with the youngs um because <laughs> I'm like du- I'm like double the age over double the age of the median viewer of the, of the Snapchat show. JVL told me in Slack, this this really it hurt my feelings. This was months ago. That's it, it's still lingering so you can see how much it hurt my feelings. He said that Tim, most of the viewers of your Snapchat show don't see a difference between you and Bill Crystal. <laughs> like, you're just true. both old. So anyway, I, I do appreciate to spend time with people who um, who, who think who think that I'm bringing the hipness. But um, yeah, no, the Snapchat show is killing it. We have I, I just looked yesterday's episode already has 160,000 some odd uh, views. 
Oh, that's it's doing, ama- that, it's doing that amazing. Is fan- that is fantastic. Yeah. Okay, let's start off um, because we're going to get to the debate, and also, um, yeah. I, I, I actually had a moment last night. I just, just you know, I, my, my newsletter is already out, so I'm not giving anything away here. But um, after the debate, uh, after the, after our live stream, taking the dogs out in the, you know, in the in the driveway, it's raining, and we're going back and forth, and it hit me. This thing's over. Okay, and we'll, we'll we'll come back to whether you agree because I because I'm not usually that optimistic, and I say that that's the last time I'm ever going to have to watch Donald Trump in a presidential debate, probably. So we'll we'll get to that. wrong. Okay, 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 wrong. So, okay, you're thinking 2024 already. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> all right. I'm I I know where you're. Okay, news quiz. When you, when you were a kid, did you always do the news quiz on Fridays and the, over the weekends? Mm, I don't think so. As a, okay. as, a, as a as a young adult, I did the Slate news quiz for okay, a while. So you're a news quiz guy. I figured you were. Yeah. Okay, so who is Maria Bakalova? Do, 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 Maria Bakalova. This is oh. a name we we need to know. It is. Yeah, um, Maria Bakalova. I don't know. She is the actress in the Borat movie who gets. Oh. <laughs> like I knew that name. Giuliani on the bed. I was going through Ukraine, not Kazakhstan. <laughs> in my head, I was like going through all the names in the Ukraine extended universe, and I was like, I, I don't remember a woman. No, she she she's the. Yeah. Uh, it, w- what's fascinating today is that we're actually getting Zapruder level film analyses. Of, you know, you know, you know, shot by shot of what was Rudy doing? How far down was the hand? Was he really just tucking in his shirt? So this is this is twenty twenty. This is one of those things. So trivial pursuit, uh, Maria Bakalova. Uh, the the other name is how do you pronounce it? Uh, Babaluski, Babalinski, Babalinski. Yeah. He was supposed and, to be the big star of last night, right? Yeah, I I think it was our friend Christian Vanderbrook some, um, that said this. I'm stealing this. It's like. Um, uh, you know, Trump came into last night. He brought him to the debate. It was supposed yeah. to be, you know, his big thing to shake um, Joe Biden. And um, uh, it was going to be this memorable name, kind of like the Comey letter for 2020. Yeah. Um, and, and Christian said, well, in some ways he's right because Bobulinski will be remembered because, in you know, 20, we will use him in future presidential campaigns as an example of a failed gambit. You know, anytime a candidate tries to bring up something ridiculous that doesn't work, it'll be a Bobulinski. That's right. It it will be now for people who are not totally totally online. I'm I'm, I'm guessing that that this you know the president wanted. All, well, they don't read the Wall Street Journal's competing yeah. competing articles on right. him. If they if they wanted to, you know the president wanted to be all about Babalunsky and of course tens of millions of voices crying out who who is this guy? He's the guy who's, who's obviously a disgruntled, pissed off former associate of Hunter Biden who had some emails and um, gone full Trump and said that. He was present when they were discussing the business and and all of this, and this was going to be the big dramatic moment, which failed spectacularly. And you know, you mentioned the Wall Street Journal. I mean, have you ever seen anything like what what the Wall Street Journal did? So I can't they, remember. They Crazy. come out. Um, we can't assume that everybody is online as we are. So Kimberly Strassel, who is 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 a Trump fluffer over there, uh, comes out with this big opinion piece. It's an it's in the opinion section. Where she's trying to make the case of, you know, the, the Bobolinsky, you know, papers and uh, Hunter Biden and all of this stuff. And and this is their big scoop. And within it felt like minutes, the news department of The Wall Street Journal comes out with its own dueling article that basically says that that whole story is bullshit, just debunks the whole thing, that there's no evidence that Biden had anything to do with any of this. I mean, just slam dunks the whole thing. 
And it wasn't it's just there's, uh, yeah, and, oh, it, yeah, it's this whole Murdoch universe internal fights. It wasn't just Wall Street Journal. I don't know if you saw this because it came out pretty late last night. Um, but uh, a Fox News reporter yeah. who I'm not familiar with, Jackie Heinrich. Did you mm-hmm. see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she read all of the emails, which I we all can't read, you know, because they've only been leaked to to Murdoch properties. Um, and and said that. You know this whole claim that the chairman is 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 Biden is not true. It becomes clear that the chairman is actually China. It's a shorthand for talking about China. That Biden himself, Joe Biden, has no roles in the emails or the documents. That there are no other members in the uh, in this company um, than Hunter and his business partners, not Joe. And and I went on her feed and I just noticed her last tweet before this was making clear that um, that yes. The uh, Proud Boys, you know, sort of that ham-handed Proud Boys, you know, email, intimidation email thing that came from other countries was intended to help President Trump, which is the opposite of what Ratcliffe said, um, potentially by exacerbating disputes around the results. So uh, anyway, I don't know Jackie Heinrich, but these are the only two tweets I've seen and got good honor. Well, it, it is interesting when you when you think about it because there were reporters from the New York Post, speaking of Murdoch World, who also you know, were doubting the, the the provenance of of the hard drive, and clearly there's a fight going on in, in, within Fox News, and and which refused to run with the story because they had credibility problems, and now you have the Wall Street Journal civil war over all of this. But um, I, I did see one analysis from Politico, so one of the the winners last night was Hunter Biden because none of this stuff you know, work. And it really was one of those moments where you, you realize Donald Trump it really is, has created this alternative reality bubble that if you really haven't been marinating in Fox news and all of this stuff, you probably had no idea what he was talking about most of the time. Yeah. I I think that that's, well, I may not most of the time, but there was a huge section there and and I thought you know Kristen did a great job last night, so so credit she, to her. She but, really did. Yeah. But this this is my one. I, I actually, I have two nitpicks. Um, the first, and we'll get to the other one later. The first one is this Hunter thing came up way too early in mm-hmm. the debate, and and I do, and it was, and they really they spent like twenty minutes. It felt like twenty minutes. I don't know how I didn't actually time it. Um, right after the coronavirus section, uh, and and I, I you know I do think that it was completely confusing if if trump got anything out of this um you know it's hard for me since i am so deep in this stuff yeah. to like but i'm sitting there trying to like put my head in the position of my mother you know and be like what is she interpreting from these exchanges but um i i think he might have had some success at just kind of creating a um you know muddying the waters on this issue of corruption when when in reality as we know it's such a clear cut case. I mean, and this is the thing that's frustrating me as somebody who does know the details here. I'm sitting on the couch just screaming at my television like like Trump is claiming that Biden was taking money while he was in the White House, which is not true. He's released all eight years of his tax returns from the White House. You can see exactly how much money he made. It was He did not take foreign money. And meanwhile, Donald Trump is taking money from many foreign sources, including specifically Turkey, right now, like right now, as he right was talking now. and accusing Biden of it. And so like that was frustrating because he he did manage, I think, to sort of, you know, maybe get it to a draw on this point, which is not what he needs to win the election, of course. Um, but uh, but I, I guess he, he might, that might have been, you know, uh, some str- some strategic point to him on that on that um, 
uh, on that score. But but overall, uh, it certainly was not this silver bullet where it was a very clear corruption message like you had with Hillary. So there was there was one moment that I'm that I'm, I'm kind of fixated about, and it, okay. you know the the Trump's obsession with Hunter and the laptop and and Bobolinsky really it you know even though it didn't work as well as he was hoping it would it it does explain why he's losing this race and i really thought that one moment kind of captured this shift and the david from uh, highlighted this as well in the atlantic that trump erupted in sneering sarcasm when joe biden summoned the image of middle class families at the kitchen table the very idea of it irked trump let, let me play this about it's about yep. a minute, a minute 20 of what, what I thought was an incredibly revealing exchange. Now we have a steal. OK, industry. Vice President Biden, your response, please. My response is, look, this isn't about there's a reason why he's bringing up all this malarkey. There's a reason for it. He doesn't want to talk about the, the, the substantive issues. It's not about his family and my family. It's about your family. And your family's hurting badly. If you're making less than, if you're a middle-class family, you're getting hurt badly right now. You're sitting at the kitchen table this morning deciding, well, we can't get new tires or the ball because we have to wait another month or so. Or are we going to be able to pay the mortgage? Or who's going to tell her she can't go back to, to community college? They're the decisions you're making in the middle-class families like I grew up in Scranton and Claymont. They're in trouble. We should be talking about your families, but that's the last thing he wants to talk about. I want, to, I want to talk about North Korea. Excuse me, just I do want to second, turn to please. 10 seconds, Mr. President. That's 10 a seconds. typical political statement. Let's get off this China thing. And then he looks, the family, around the table, everything. Just right. a typical politician when I see that. Let's talk I'm about North Korea. I'm not a typical Korea politician. Okay, That's President. why I got elected. That let's was, talk let's about get off the subject of China. Let's talk around, sitting around the table. All right. Come on, Joe, you we're, can do better. We're going to talk about North Korea now. President Trump. Wow. Are you old enough to remember when Trump billed himself as the voice of the forgotten man? <laughs> you know, I am. Four, four I thought that. Ago. Yeah, go on. <laughs> no, I'm so happy that that was your the clip um, <laughs> yeah. because I thought that it, that was a very revealing moment in the cesspool that is the, uh, is that is Twitter.com last night because mm-hmm. you got to see who has just become so jaded mm-hmm. by by the last five years that they thought Trump won on that point. I mean, like some decently reasonable people were like, oh, really? Trump really? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I was just like scrolling. I'm like, mm-hmm. what? Like Trump called Joe Biden out on his politician speak. And I I just saw that as totally the opposite, as, as Biden getting exactly back to the point after 20 minutes of nonsense about bank accounts and Ukraine and, you know, Bobolinsky and Hunter and nobody even could follow Biden. I I thought, let that conversation go on too long, if anything. And then, you know, finally turned back and, you know, said, look at this guy. Um, And he did that very well in the first debate. You can tell that was something that they, that they worked on. And, Again, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a Excel bubble, coastal elite bubble guy here. So, you know, I, I don't want to pretend like I can get in the head of, of you know, your swing voter in Mechanicsburg. But I, to me, that's Joe at least signaling to them that he actually cares about them. Oh, While absolutely. Donald is signaling that actually, no, he, do, he just doesn't. All he cares about is like his little, 
you know, spat fights and, uh, you know, all the, all the details of Uc- the Ukrainian, uh, uh, you know, oppo research dump, and he doesn't actually care about well, the and, 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 and how un- unfair, you know, yeah. the IRS was to him and all these terrible things that happened. So, I mean, if you were looking for a flash of empathy, you were obviously watching the wrong channel, right? Yeah. See, I mean, here's the thing about this. This forgotten American was was really at the heart of, of, his, uh, yes. of his appeal. Now, you know, obviously, somewhat unfairly or in sincerely whatever but the whole point of of four years ago was that he was going to channel and stoke the anger and the concerns right of the average american in michigan and in wisconsin and what you got from him last night was yes screw that i want to talk about myself i mean here's a guy who's always been in his own sort of narcissistic bubble but he's really created this alternative reality now that has insulated himself from what's happening in his own country so he's up there and he's talking about turning the corner and living with the pandemic the day after we have 70,000 new cases, a thousand people dying a day, millions of people still out mm-hmm. of work, but they're not his problem. He doesn't want to talk about them. He wants to talk about Hunter Biden's freaking laptop. He wants to compare himself to Abraham Lincoln. You know, he wants and, sympathy for all the mean things that have been done to him. And don't tell him stories about average Americans who might not be able to afford stuff because When's the last time he sat around the table and worried about whether or not he was going to be able to afford this or that? Yeah, never. I mean, it was all phony in 2016, um, but um, but he had Bannon around him, um, who I think helped keep his North Star. And he was able to focus on his grievances about how the Obama administration and the Bush administration had failed you know, Americans, he didn't have to defend his own record. He's such a sensitive Sally that he just can't, you know, can't help but like complain and whine about, about himself and, and woe is me rather than focus on, um, uh, uh, you know, any more pretend to focus on the problems of regular people. But I just, the other thing on this point, Charlie, and I think this got lost in some of the commentary out of last night is the other thing that Joe Biden was really good on last night. The thing that he was the best on, in my opinion, was, Later in the debate, getting back to those kitchen table issues Mm -hmm. around the stimulus and around the minimum wage hike. And again, you know, these these Obama Trump voters, um, uh, not all, you know, some of them are gone. Some of them are just in this cult, have just gone full Breitbart and, you know, Red Hat and are in the cultural grievance um, lane now. But a lot of them, you know, really were. you know, people that felt let down by the last two presidencies and thought Trump was going to be a businessman who cared about them. There are people out there, I know that they might not be listening to the Bulwark podcast, that bought that, that bought it and and thought he was going to cut deals for them. He hasn't. I thought Biden's golf, you're in the, you're in the sand trap, not not making deals with Pelosi on this was good. Calling him out on the minimum wage hike, not not recognizing that un, 15, under $15 is not a living wage, regardless of what you... You know, think about the the policy dispute there. The on a message standpoint, I mean, I thought Biden knocked that out of the park um, last night, and that was uh, and 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 um, I think that's a key demo that he's talking to. Well, I I, I did think that uh, Biden seemed sharper than he did in the first debate, and it, again, you know, things are moving so quickly. But when you think about the hundreds of millions of dollars that the Trump campaign has blown, convincing people or trying to convince people that. Joe Biden was completely senile, that he couldn't put together a coherent sentence. I mean, remember when Rush Limbaugh was speculating that he couldn't possibly have delivered the uh, acceptance speech at the Democratic convention live because it was too good 
you know, yeah. I mean, all these conspiracy theories. He he must have had something in his ear and on all of that. And his he eyes, was, the contact lenses. He had those contact lenses that were projecting. He, he was he was sharp, and that's that's relevant in and of itself. So, look, just really um, quick on that. This is yeah. the it's a Sarah's Lane with the focus yeah. groups. Um, but I, I I dip in and out of those from time to time, and I'll tell you. Um, one of the big things holding back a lot of these Obama-Trump voter types um, for going back to Biden was this so-called dementia issue, you know, oh, and yeah. the senility. Like, they they brought that up way, way more than Hunter. Uh, and Tim Alberta, I, I was um, uh, reading something that he wrote the other day where he said the same thing. And, you know, in Michigan, he hears about the dementia and the senility thing way more than any of these other nonsense, you know, Fox, you know, Fox News, navel-gazing scandals. Um and I think that, you know, Biden, again, some of these people are just looking for an excuse not to vote for him. Right. But for those who really wanted to go there, but that was the thing that was holding them back uh, over two debates, uh, he certainly, uh, you know, swept that uh, swept that issue off the table. And so that that was his other his other big, uh, big success. Well, also. look, look, I mean, before this began. If, if we were having this conversation, you know, I, I think that the fair analysis would would be that Joe Biden needed not to melt down. He needed not to, you know, start screaming at the sky or or, or doing something. And and he, he not only did not melt down, he not only did not make a major gaffe. Um, we can talk about the oil industry a little bit later, but um, which I don't think was really a gaffe. But he he, he actually looked pretty good. And and I think that was that was really important. I think that's one of those things. I sometimes say that you know the, we analyze the lyrics when a lot of voters are listening to the melody, and uh, you know we're parsing what he should have said or did say or what position he took on this issue. I think the fact that he looked pretty good um, was 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 significant. So, giving your sense on this now, let me tell you. Go, going back to my my walk my walk with the dog in the rains la, la, last night, <laughs> I was thinking about. This, of course, was the last chance to change the trajectory. We have a double-digit uh, campaign. I know it's closer in the swing uh, in, in, this, in the swing states, but you know, JVL had a piece yesterday, and we know that he's our resident pessimist, right? I mean, he's the resident Eeyore. We did. He is. Uh, which is very strange because we're kind of a site full of Eeyores. And so it's yeah. uh, to, to his great credit that he's able to elevate above the, uh, exactly. above the rest of the group. So he had two data points that came out yesterday. Number one, the Gallup poll that asked, does President Trump deserve to be reelected? Gallup found 56% no, 43% said yes. That's death for an incumbent when you have that kind of majority. And the second bit of information uh, he, he said is worse. So the guys from 538 are now projecting a turnout, total number of votes between 144 million and 165 million, with their pin set at about 154 million. And his analysis is, look, anything above uh, 144 million is just it's really bad news for Trump, because the higher the turnout, the more likely the polls are to be accurate. And so you're looking at a you know huge number of votes out there that's really hard to imagine. That I mean, will basically swamp the Trump base. You know, give me your your reaction to that because he's saying you know he's toast. He's 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 done. And I I felt afterwards with with that and and seeing the trends that are going and the fact that that you're not going to get the the October surprise. I mean, it could still happen, but um, that, that yeah, so, yeah, Trump's kind of finished. 
I'm gonna out Eeyore him a little bit. Okay. Um, and and we 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 scrapped a little bit on this on the next level podcast, so I'll summarize that here. I I think that generally speaking, his anal- his turnout analysis is correct. Like generally speaking, a bigger turnout is going to accrue to Biden's benefit. Uh, certainly in the popular vote, I think if you want to sell me on the fact that the popular vote race is pretty much done in Biden's favor, uh, outside something you know completely crazy. Uh, I, I think that's an argument that I would take. Um, I were I just I still have nagging worry about the electoral college on two points. One is big turnout. Um, if it disproportionately ticks towards you know rural, exurban, white working class uh, males, that's a bigger category of non-voters than Zoomers and young millennials and and voters of color. Okay, like, are you like, seeing like, evidence that's happening? No, I mean no, not early, but that's but I but my point is that like a lot of those voters have been have been listening to the you know anti-mail-in ballot propaganda coming out of the Trump world and MAGA media. So that so that surge could happen on election day. So I worry about that. And I worry about particularly that surge coming on election day combined with mail-in ballot issues, particularly in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. you know, particularly in Pennsylvania, um, where um, they're not used to doing these mail-in ballots. We're already seeing, you know, multiple controversies related to the count. So, you know, if you look at the map, Wisconsin, Michigan, feel pretty done. Um, Arizona, okay, but then you got to win another one. And 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 I do. And you know, Florida has been resistant to this wave. They Florida was resistant in 2018. Um, when all the other states moved, North Carolina, you know, isn't Virginia yet? So anyway, I, I think that things look very good. So I agree with that. But but because of you know the potential, the electoral college demographic um, difference from the national demographic. Um, okay, so that, that that's something that worries you, me. What are you most worried about when when you get up and you look at which states are you most worried about? I mean, Pennsylvania. Uh, so he's up by four or five. Um, but but you know, if there's a turnout boost in all of the rest of the state besides Pittsburgh, Harrisburg, and Philly on election day, and then we have a, we, then we have some mail in ballot, you know, ballots getting thrown out. That that worries me. I think that North Carolina and Florida are lean Biden right now. And so I, could they break to being clear Biden victories? They could, right? But could there be, again, an election day turnout in kind of all of these other counties? Look, on, on, in 2016, not to give everybody PTSD, but in 2016, I remember seeing the Miami number come in yep. and I was texting Mark Caputo who's you know who knows this stuff better than anybody and I was like this seems done to me right and he's like oh, eh. man. I, I, I said the same thing exactly at the same moment yeah and he's like yeah like you know there's a lot more vote out in the rest of Florida than you realize and boy and boy was he right and was I wrong on that and so so I I, I just I were that those are the that sort of Pennsylvania North Carolina Florida he needs one of them he could win all three, by the way. I, he could win Georgia, by the way. I mean, I like I, I think that there. I think that JVL's breakdown is right in the sense that I think that there's a big that the range of outcomes is from like a very narrow Trump squeak, thanks to some help with thrown out ballots in Pennsylvania, all the way to 
you know, a 400 electoral vote landslide. I, I think that's possible, but you know, I, I'd like for the chance to be zero percent, and I'm not feeling zero percent right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it it is it is possible given the dynamics. And again, I don't want to give anybody PTSD because I do think this is over, and I've I've, I've said that. But you can certainly imagine, and um, it sort of emotionally resonates that you know, you know, if 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 in fact North Carolina is a coin flip, imagine that you know, easily imagine Trump actually eking out a win in North Carolina and in Florida. Um, and if there are problems in Pennsylvania and then, and then you're back at, at, at 2016, uh, Arizona is not, you know, totally nailed down. So, uh, yeah, Biden right. could win in Wisconsin, could win in, in Michigan and still not win this election. Right. So people do need to understand that. Um, but but I think you know part of it is is that there there are the atmospherics of of all of this and I, and I and I wonder just how much of our analysis is just totally haunted by that experience of 2016, which I'm still haunted by. I mean I I can still feel the emotions when you when you just described how you felt when you when you saw the Miami vote from 2016. I imagine I remember I'm down here in the basement. I have all the computers all set up and I'm looking at the Florida numbers and I walked up to uh, my wife, one of our friends was here. And I said, I think this thing is over. It's over in Florida because look at what the, the numbers are out of Miami. <laughs> and, I, and I remember that feeling. And I also then remember sitting and watching that, that damn, damn York, needle, I, that, that needle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it is. The haunting is real. Um, and, you know, my friend Peter Hamby um, wrote a great Vanity Fair piece, if listeners want to check that out, where he basically, you know, lands in the JVL camp and, and says that this has been a static race since June. And if anything, you know, uh, there's a bigger chance of, of Biden, pull, you know, winning at Georgia than in losing. Um, and, and that could be right. I mean, he 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 is more dispassionate than me um, about this. I, you know, I, I definitely admit that my my emotions and the scars, the very, very thick scars from 2016 might be clouding, um, you know, my ability to look at this dispassionately. But well. In, in, uh, in, you know. in, yeah. And one of the major factors, though, that, that feels so different about this year is that in 2016, no one thought he could win. And and, and that, that, you know, nobody imagined he would win. So the level of motivation, particularly among Democrats in Wisconsin, much lower than I think it is right now. Also, you had a lot of the third parties out there and it was was it was a free vote to, you know, to vote for Jill Stein or to vote for you know Evan McMullen or yes. to vote for uh, the, the, the the libertarian this year, the people who voted third party in 2016 are breaking very strongly for Biden. So you had undecided Very strongly, voters. very heavily. Very, yeah, they are. So <laughs> Yeah, no, the third party thing has been... Big. Anytime I get nervous, I think about the third party as part of, the, part of this. Because Biden really can win this thing just through the third party. You know, just, just through that. Like, if the, that Nate Cohn poll showed Biden in the Midwest up, I think, 34 points, I'm going from memory, among people who voted third party in these, in these states. Yeah, it was like it was Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Iowa. And if that is true, um, you know, uh, uh, Joe Biden's the president, if nothing else changed, you know, all else being equal and the third party vote breaks 34 percent to him. Um, he wins like he doesn't need anything else. He doesn't need to win back any more Obama Trump voters. He doesn't need to turn out any more black voters or young voters. He doesn't need to win over any more, um, you know, never Trump Republicans like um, he can just win with that. Uh, and so uh, I, that that well, is I, one thing I keep reminding myself. And, then you have and, the, and, and the, the Biden's number is higher than Hillary's ever was like his right. ballot number. And, and, and the, and the olds, 
I mean, let's, let's face it. The yeah. most reliable voters in the world are senior citizens and Trump won among senior citizens and senior citizens are breaking for Biden. And they're, I think they're pissed on the coronavirus. So I'm sitting here in Wisconsin right now and all of the news, the news is dominated by the spike in the coronavirus uh, cases at what's happening to the hospitals. I mean, this is a big story. And if so, if people in Wisconsin are tuning in and watching the president's answer on coronavirus. He had nothing. He had nothing new. It's like everything's fine. We're learning to live with it. People are going, whoa, whoa, we're freaking out here. We're going into the third spike. We're going into the the flu season here. Um, this is this is bad. And the president's basically saying, yeah, you know what? Herd immunity type thing. And it's like, well, you know, that means the grandmas, you know, might have to go. This is not working. So I'm thinking again. Of, I just just really quick on that yeah. because we really should have started with this. Um, yeah. We're 40 minutes in like his answer on the virus for the first segment of last night's debate yes. trump's trump's answer horrific mm. horrific uh, uh, not in tune with what the polls say not in tune with the spirit of the country it is in tune only with the you know death cult members that show up to his rallies uh you know and this is not like there is even a big portion of the not not the rep- old line Republican base, you and me, of the Trump base that that, that thinks he's crazy on this. So like, the, you know, particularly seniors, older, you know, people who are uh, pe- people who have experienced um, uh, deaths uh, related to, to the virus. So I, he had no answer for what his plan was. His plan is totally wish casting. It's the same plan it's been since day one. It's going to go away. We'll get a better. We're going to get a vaccine. We might bleach people. I mean, it, like, that that answer was a nightmare and and i and i do feel like you know to your point about how we all get wrapped up in the atmospherics and we have to talk about this and that and the tone and and uh, you know we become figure skating judges the main thing about this election is this pandemic and mm-hmm. his answer to that last night was atrocious well and, and i'm thinking about 11 days to go in the election because is isn't this the the marker where james comey came out yes. and, and and announces so the 11 days out so we know that there can be something 11 days out that can change everything so this is another one of those days where you've had a ptsd pin stuck in it because you remember the you woke up um you know four years ago and this race was done and by the time you went to bed everything was was turned around but yeah, I was so deep in my like bu- epistemic bubble of denial that Trump could win that I didn't even think the Comey letter was a big deal. So I I, I do need to check myself on that. Um, but no, I, uh, four I would, years ago, but yes, this is I, the I same. Well, because day. we thought it was unthinkable, and, therefore impossible. Yeah, and and we've and we've had many more votes now. So that's different, also, and, and that that happened eleven days ago, but. Uh, you know, in a lot of these states, uh, double the votes have been cast as at this at this time last year. Well, and, last, and this, whole quest, this whole the the usual formula in politics, correct me if I'm wrong, is that undecided voters tend to break against incumbents. And so that's not good news for for Donald Trump. Maybe that's different right now. And as you point out, a lot of votes have already been cast. But this dominant story where every day it gets worse, I mean, I actually was shocked. I, I had taken my eyes off the dial or whatever for, for a moment. And when, when Joe Biden said, and yesterday there were 70,000 new cases, I thought, what? When did we get to 70,000? I mean, I had the same I, moment where I just had a second of like, is, did he get that wrong? Yeah, that's exactly uh, what I thought. I because, know, no. because I remember when Anthony Fauci was saying at one point, 
that going into the fall, we needed to be down around like seven to 10,000 or something. Maybe I'm, I'm wrong on that number, but that we really had to be low going in to not have it be terrible. That if we were at, you know, 50,000, we would really, really be in trouble. And now we're at 70,000. So these are the last 11 days of this campaign. And you had that answer from the president when you know that every single day there's going to be a headline about this. It's hard for me to imagine what would cause a major shift of votes to Trump? So it does come down. I'm sorry to say this, but to do what, what you know, what you mentioned before about the turnout. You know, is there that that secret block of you know people who have never voted before? These non-college educated, you know, white men. Now there are some disturbing stories about the success Republicans have had with voter registration. Yep. You you watch that. Mm-hmm. How bothered should we be about that? Are you how bothered? Again, I mean, I'm bothered by it in the fact that I I, I worry about the electoral map and the and the and the voter, um, the pool of voters. Okay, so the pool of voters who did not vote in 2016 who could be added to um, uh, the electorate in 2020. nationwide is a benefit to Biden. And these swing states, it's Trump. Okay. Now, again, we don't know exactly, you know, it's not, we're not gonna have a hundred percent turnout, right? So, so how does that break down? But I, I, you know, he has a voter reg advantage, ad advantage, both in Florida and in Pennsylvania. Um, I think about a hundred thousand in each um, over 2016. And so, you know, and he won Pennsylvania last time by 70, a hundred or no, 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 I'm sorry, about like 30. So 130,000 plus you throw out 80,000 naked ballots. That's 210,000. Yeah, that's yeah. a big number to make up. That's a big number to make up. So uh, again, I mean, um, I don't, I don't have the math in front of me. Like if he goes in with a four point lead, is that enough to counteract 210? Probably. But, um, you know, I, this was my, um, I guess while we're just sort of wallowing in the in the in the muck here, uh, because you know every, our our website's very optimistic this morning. So if you're if you're just looking for a pick me up, you can go to the website. Um, oh yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, I, that was what I I was I last night had this kind of in my gut. I just desired for the kill shot. You know, I just wanted Joe Biden to step on his face, or for Donald Trump to fall on his own face, and particularly on on that core issue of, of, you know, character and moral clarity. And, and I do felt like Trump kind of fought that to a draw. And I, and I felt like Biden, you know, didn't really make the sale on the soul of America case. And I was frustrated by some of the stuff that didn't, you know, Lafayette square didn't come up. Yeah, um, Parkland yeah. didn't come up. I mean, I, uh, you know, I felt, felt like if, when you add all this stuff together, child separation and Lafayette square and the white power tweet and, and Parkland and just his total lack of caring about the people who are dying from the coronavirus, I felt like you could have made a close there that, that just exposed him. And I don't feel like we got that. I, f- well, I feel like no. we got kind of status quo, which is also good for Biden, but you know, deep in my bones, I wanted, you know, the Trump's face in the manure. And I, and I didn't get that. We didn't, you didn't get in the debate, but, but right now, Joe Biden, and this is again, an extraordinary story is outspending Trump. What is about three to one? So you have hundreds of millions of dollars of ads out there making that case. I mean, he is being pounded. Those That's those true. messages are out there and they're out there all the time. I've, I've been talking to people um, 
around the country who say, you know, every time I turn on the television, there's a Biden ad. I'm not seeing Trump ads, which is exactly the opposite of what we thought we would be seeing right now. Okay, so in the time that we have left, I want to make make sure that we give you credit. You have a you had a scoop in the in the bulwark yesterday that is being followed by the New York Times, which gives you credit for breaking the story. It's a fascinating story about this congressional seat. Uh, this is Mark Meadows' old congressional seat. Yep. And uh, and the Republican is a interesting character. Um, is 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 his name is Madison Cawthorn, and you found a racist website, and it it well just tell me tell me this tell me the story. It was I, I, it was one of those things where I didn't think it was real. Like yeah, I put I, this into the Slack. I had a friend uh, text it to me and said, "Is do you have you seen this?" Um, and then I, I you know searched to see if anybody had written about it before. Nobody had. And on this site, Cawthorn was attacking. Um, he claimed it was an advisor to his opponent, Mo Davis, but it turns out it just was this kind of a writer for mm-hmm. you know maybe a more progressive. Um, you know, nonprofit website down there in North Carolina. And he said that this guy, Tom Fieldler, uh, quit his academia job in Boston to work for non-white males Mm. like Cory Booker, who aims to ruin white males. I, I mean, it was the first, like, the syntax is so bad, and it's just like such an out, like, it's, it's, it's something out of subtle. 1952. You know, it's like, you, 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 like, who, where do you even come up with the phrase goes to work for non white males? I mean, how does that even come into your brain that that's like a pejorative? That you had worked for the the, the the person you went to work for is not, was not a white person. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we, we looked around. And, uh, you know, we found that it was actually his site. Uh, he was running Facebook ads to the page. Um, you know, there's some other kind of, you know, typical culture warrior stuff on the page. He attacks him for the Green New Deal, says he's a terrorist sympathizer, says he's perverted. You know, it was a, it's a pretty gross website overall. But that line, um, you know, which which like literally read out of Jim Crow um, stood out. And so, yeah, we put it up. Um, he's uh, uh, on the bulwark. He's since changed it but didn't apologize he, he said it was you know poorly phrased well i thought the, the non-apology was very very telling because the, the right answer was oh my god i didn't know that was there it should never have been there it was written by some volunteer or something not that it was poorly phrased yeah, um. <laughs> and, and and then you've got uh, you know this ties to and it's what I kind of got into in the article. Trump has been doing these attacks on Cory Booker, you know these dog yeah. ones. So so again, this is the same thing. Like the the criticism here is this guy went to work for a quote non-white male who is Cory Booker, um, and it's just like. It shows you just how like deep these guys are digging down the white grievance well that like Cory Booker is the boogeyman that they have come up with here, you know? Well, also, I mean, you know, for a while it looked like this uh, Madison Cawthorn was going to be the new rising, you know, handsome young man star in the Republican Party. A lot of red flags. For this guy, a lot of red, a lot of red flags. But this is a seat that that is flippable, I understand. Yeah, so um, yeah, there's another red flag that's just worth mentioning, which is why he went after this Tom Fielders because he had written about uh, a letter uh, that was written by uh, uh, Cawthorn's classmates 
um uh from college uh, he's only 25 so this is like this is like three years ago right so like a college letter yeah. coming out for somebody all right um and and they, they said that you know he was a serial predator and he got girls into his car and did gross stuff and so uh you know he's got those those issues um and uh you know but he he to your point about being a star he spoke at the republican convention he was the guy that was in the wheelchair that stood up yeah um and you know i stand for the flag um the uh he had been in a i think a car wreck um is 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 how um, he ended up in a wheelchair and so anyway yeah look this is a this is a should be a safe red seat this is the kind of thing that makes me feel better about north carolina if you look at the house race polling just across the country you know trump is underperforming in a lot of key areas um uh, and you know this is a place that he did well in 2016 cawthorn right now is losing to mo davis by three points um you know, it's like 45, 42. So a lot of undecideds. It's a red area. Like the undecideds could just kind of break home to Republicans uh, there, I think is his path to victory. But uh, if he, I mean, if he loses that seat, uh, it's pretty much a sign also that Trump has lost North Carolina yeah. and, and, and a sign that the Republicans are in deep trouble. I, I'm going from memory now. I think that that's an R plus 11. So when you, when you judge house districts to, for their partisan breakdown, you kind of look at voter registration, um, and, I, and I think there's 11% more Republicans than Democrats mm-hmm. in the district. If Republicans are losing R plus 11 seats, um, that, that the House um, majority that Nancy Pelosi will have in, in 2021 will be massive. Okay, so um, uh, nerd alert here. Um, I, I, I've actually become really fascinated by these district level polls. Um, and I know Dave Wasserman has been doing this as well, showing the exact same thing, the underperformance of Republicans across the board that you can kind of, as it, it, it's sort of a canary in the coal mine as you begin to look at these um, uh, if if you paid attention back in 2016, that would have been an indication that maybe Trump was breaking through at this district level. Um, all these district level polls seem to be suggesting a shift in the other direction right now. So, you know, we're, we're, we're going to see. By the way, we've gone through this entire podcast without talking about uh, Joe Biden walking out on 60 Minutes. Donald Trump walking out on 60 Minutes, you mean? Um, what did I say? Joe Biden. Uh, oh my God! So, <laughs> um, yeah, you know we're all starting to lose it. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the whole thing is crazy to me. I mean, I, I watched most of the. So he puts up this leaked video on Fade leaked or whatever. You know, that they had taped the video as well. He puts this up on Facebook, all thirty-five minutes of it, and you know he's petulant in it. Um, he's upset about like the questions that are being asked, but they're pretty expected questions um you know and uh uh you know as far as his answers are concerned it was pretty standard trump just a little bit higher on the petulant scale so i i guess the strategy here was to try to negate what he expected would be bad coverage coming out of it sunday but he just drug it out um i I thought that one thing that that, that leaked out of it was that he you know basically said he hopes that amy coney barrett yes um rules to overturn obamacare Uh, again what a what a self-own on this leak i mean who knows if 60 minutes was not going to air the whole 35 minute interview right they cut cut it up and they're also doing biden and you know, as is in the name of the show, it's only 60 minute show. So, you know, maybe some of this bad stuff hits the cutting room floor. So really strange uh, strategy um, to put that out and draw attention to it. 
Yeah, I mean, if, if if you assume there's any strategy involved, it's it, it's it's Donald Trump standing up to the media. You know, the you know pushing back against the elite media. It's all you know the media research center. You know, toads are going to be all excited about all of this. But but as you pointed out, he's raised the profile of the interview exponentially. Because I mean, I can't remember the last time I actually watched 60 Minutes, to be honest with you. And now it's a must watch. Um, he did come off looking petulant, and the, the just that little tidbit where he's hoping the Supreme Court throws out Obamacare. That that not only is that going to be a soundbite in you know millions of dollars worth of Democratic ads, but he gave them a three day heads up, head head start on it. It's like they don't have to wait till Sunday, right? They 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 have it. It's amazing. But also the way this began. What Leslie Stahl says, you ready for tough questions? Trump, just be fair. Leslie Stahl, last time you were like, bring it on. Trump, no, I'm not looking for that. Stahl, but you're okay with some t- tough questions. Um, Trump, no, I'm not. <laughs> he was pe- he was petulant and pissed off. And when then he multiple in the times, room. yeah, during the, and yeah, and then throughout the interview, he said I didn't say that. I, you know, she he asked she asked her about. There's a good little now this video going around about all the times he said I didn't say that, and then the video of him saying it, and it was, you know, lock lock them all up and regards to Gretchen Whitmer and all these other all these other things. Um, I, the whole time he's whining at the end of the interview, you know, he's you he, he can see him he cancels the Mike Pence part of it. Uh, he looks over at Mike, you know, Pence, and it's like, Mike, I mean, can you believe this? Can you believe this? No, we've we've done enough. We've done enough. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was, I mean, it's literally out of that. I don't know if anybody follows JL Colvin on Twitter. He does the oh, best. Yeah. He does the best Trump impersonation. And he's got a shtick where he's always looking off screen at Mike. And, like, Trump is doing the JL Colvin shtick. Um, it was, uh, you know, it's not going to, I guess to your point, you know, he figures he isn't going to get anything out of it because he knows how the interview was. So maybe you can get something out of it by just, you know, making it an anti-elite, anti-media thing. But boy, or, it feels like he's maxed out on that, um, on, right. on that it, audience. It, it, exactly. So I, I, I don't think there's any strategy here. I, I just think that here's a guy who's probably starting to realize he's losing. Is you know, he's always been thin-skinned. He's never been the warrior that he's portrayed himself as. And you had a moment of petulance, and so who who knows? So, you know, and here we are 11 days out. Tim Miller, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast again. We will have to we have to make sure we do the yeah, you come up, come up with a hook for our live stream next week. OK, we'll, we'll work we'll, on it. We'll, get everybody get everybody together with some bourbons and uh, maybe go through the math. Maybe we can get nerdy. You, you know, the, the bourbon thing is not just a prop, just so people actually know. <laughs> oh, we know, Charlie. Okay, I mean, no. <laughs> I'm getting D. I'm getting DMs all over the place. I, okay. I hope Charlie has another bourbon. Okay, they're, they're rooting you on out there. I am. I'm. I'm glad to hear that because I. I poured myself a kind of a big one, although I paced <laughs> myself through most of the night. Most of the night. So thank you for listening to today's Bulwark podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We will be back on Monday, and we'll do this all over again. There are just eleven days to go until election day.